Hello and good morning. You know, I've been doing a series called The Words and the Works of Jesus based in the in the book of Mark. This may well be the last one in that series as we're about to head into Easter next week. And um, that, that, that message, I hope, will be highly relevant to anybody and everybody. I know this is, a, this is an invitation season. There are people who will be exploring Jesus in this quite poignant time. I hope that every... Uh, talk that we give is highly accessible to people but that one particularly given that we know other people will be around for it but today I just want to round off this series uh, looking at the words and works of Jesus I guess we can never really round off something like this because it's a lifelong pursuit of pursuing Jesus but there's just something that I really feel is on my heart that I want to work through this morning I'm fairly convinced we've looked at this passage uh, before together but as I've thought about it as I've prayed about it the more I, I just feel in this moment this this passage and the relevance of this is is important for us to just have another glance at it. Um, but before I do, just before I jump in, I know this series particularly has caused a number of you to be in touch and say something along the lines of, did you plan that week thinking of me and my situation? And I just want to be fairly clear about it. No, I, 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 I don't work like that. Personally, I think actually that approach is really quite dangerous. But that said, I do spend time seeking the heart and the voice of the Father. And I do believe that the Word of God is, you know, a powerful double-edged sword. And I believe that it's relevant to all of us at all times. But there'll also be times and seasons where a particular talk just lands slightly harder on some of us, where the, the Spirit will stir us and convict us. Uh, I mean, I believe of that every week. But but sometimes, you know, it's like when you personally read the, the Bible, the just words and phrases will literally appear to jump off the page. I find that and it will just arrest my heart. And it might still me or it might stir a response in me. And I, I just think that's what the Holy Spirit does. I, I don't think I ever personally listen to a talk. I don't read my Bible. I don't prepare a talk <clears throat> without saying, Holy Spirit, would you just illuminate something more of Jesus to me today? Here I am. Would you would you shape me Um would you, would you send me? Would you fill me? I just encourage you to do the same. Even now, you might just want to take take a moment, say, Lord, would you would you land something on me today? You know, I want to be more like you. Would you break down some of my walls and barriers? Would you shape my heart, fill me, shape me, send me that that kind of thing? Lord, I'll just pray that over us. That moment today for us all afresh. I just want to look at uh, Mark chapter 9. It says this in verse 33. It says, after they arrived at Capernaum, Jesus settled in a house. Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was greatest. So he sat down, he called the 12 over to him, and he said, whoever wants to be the first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me, not only the one, not only me, sorry, but also the father who sent me. Can I just read on next chapter or so in Mark 10, verse 13? It says this, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. 
when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. I just want to briefly look at three things this morning. Uh, and we're kind of back on track here. I've, I've managed to get them all to begin with R. Uh, that will not delight many of you, but it does delight me. So I just want to look at real, revealed and revived. You know, I, I think one of the father, one of the things that the father really asks of us is to be real. That's where I want to start this morning. You know, the problem with being real is we're not always real because we have stuff. And the stuff we have sometimes we think we need to hide. Some of us would say, well, I don't have that stuff. But if we're real, we, we do, because I think we all do. Let me just give you an example. In the second passage that I read in Mark ten thirteen, it says this. One day some of the parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Let's just imagine the setting of this, some of the scenario that could have been happening. You know, there would have been um, other people there thinking, well, how come the kids get to be with Jesus? What about me? I, I need him. I've got all this stuff going on in my life. Why them? Then you would have had a few scenarios that could have been outplayed with the parents you know, like, oh, my my child needs to be first here. No, no, like, no, really, mine. You know, I don't know if you, you can imagine that. Then, what you know, or, or even wondering if a parent might have been wondering, well, should my child even be with Jesus like this? Are there others? Am I, are we pestering him? Are we bothering him? Before the disciples even said it, they might have been the kind of parent that would have been thinking that anyway. And you've got all of these ins and outs and the internal dialogue, which affects people's behaviour and it will be part of the outworking dynamic and interplay of relationships between everybody there and everybody present. Then you've got the disciples who do what I would call like a classic disciples they scold the parents for bothering him you know jesus was often criticized for spending too much time with the wrong people you know you, you could name a load but children's tax collectors sinners whoever it might be some including the disciples thought that jesus should be spending his time with the important leaders and the devout people because that was his way to kind of improve his position and avoid any criticism but that isn't what Jesus was about. So the disciples in their heads and actually through what they've said, they're creating like this hierarchical thing of they've got these fixed views on how it should look. And imagine how they would have scoffed and scolded at those parents. I, I, I wasn't there, but I'm just trying to imagine what that might have looked like. You know, can you imagine it being some kind of like, oh, I don't think it would have been this like oh do you think it might be possible just hang on a second like you know your 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 little ones next I think they would have gone and straight in with their size 10 boots hey like get back from Jesus you know I've told you before I'm not going to tell you again they would have had like probably this rough and ready fisherman style interaction about it basically like hey kind of you know do one 
And um, well, why did why did you not get it? Why do you keep pestering him, bothering him? You 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 are literally doing my head in. You know, it's all you, 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 your needs, your wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know about them. Would they've then carried that on a little bit and a bit of an interplay and a muttering under their breath? And it's followed up then probably with a bit of a, like a grumpy style and a bit of a, yeah, I don't know, maybe like an aggressive stare at some of these pair. I mean, who do they think they are? I, I, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly how it had been, but do you see what I mean? It was a projection, a feeling, an emotion from their point of view as to how it should have been. Some of the parents would probably have just instantly just recoiled into their shell, having even had to pluck up the courage to be there in the first place and now just left a bit bruised and a bit humiliated by the experience. Now, I know I'm playing with it a bit, I'm pushing it, but I just kind of want to say, I think we all have stuff. Play out the scenario in your own life. What are some of the, the things that might be the conversation, you know, around health or money or housing, relationships, employment, age, upbringing, ethnicity, character? I think we could list a whole load of things that are going to have an impact on how you act and interact in any given dynamic. So let's just jump back just for a moment into Mark 9. It said, after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? I literally love how Jesus does this because after they've arrived and they've settled in the house, you know, he could have picked them up and pulled them to pieces on the road. He could have nipped it in the bud at the earliest point, but he waits until they're together. He waits until there's a life-learning life discipling opportunity waits actually until they're settled in the house and then he, he, he says guys how, how about just for a moment we're real here like what's what's really going on he doesn't actually say that but that's kind of i think what he is saying he he actually says what were you discussing on the road and i think right now we'd do well to be real with Jesus and we do well to be real with a few people around us so many are burdened so many are consumed with worry and fear and anxiety you know so many with guilt and shame and pride and anger and addiction and insecurity and stubbornness and I could go on and on and on you could probably name a load of things yourself but we learn to live with it we learn to mask it we learn to avoid it we try and fake it till we make it and I'm 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 not saying that we go around and we leak everything to everyone that that doesn't help at all you know if we're hurt we're going to keep hurting others until we deal with it and we don't deal with it by letting it bump into everyone and everyone in fact <coughs> I would say we've got to be really careful that we don't do that because there's a real danger that the the thing that is our pressure or the thing that is our burden that that becomes so front and centre in our lives that literally every conversation and every dynamic is influenced and swayed by that thing. <clears throat> and I'd say that's not going to lead you to freedom. That's not going to lead you to healing. If anything, it causes everyone else to back off and back off pretty quickly because under the surface, whether we say it or not, most people are carrying stuff. And when someone else brings their stuff towards you in that way most people aren't going to be able to help it it doesn't help you and it doesn't help them to help you because they're also carrying a load 
But it is important in the right places and spaces around Jesus and maybe a close few others that we're real. So what is the answer? Well, let me just lean into the second R that I want to look at today. And it's it's revealed. Things will be revealed when we're when we're real. Things will be revealed. The passage said, but they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. They didn't answer him because they came to a realisation that their stuff wasn't pretty. And actually, maybe they were quite embarrassed and ashamed about it. I think that was part of why they didn't answer. And he says, what were you discussing on the road? He's saying, really, like, guys, it's, it's time to be real. What's really going on here? They'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Imagine the scenario now, arguing about who's the greatest in a season and a time of like things like social media and comparison which is so rife goodness me if it was a thing then how much more so is it a thing now and as they've interacted with him and as they've seen more of him as they spend time with him he teaches them to be real and he reveals their heart and their motive and he exposes the stuff that needs to be dealt with and he goes to the core of it if you read the passage, I don't know if like me, you're kind of reading it and you're almost slightly wincing. You know, it feels a little bit awkward. <laughs> they they did they did what? Like they they they're arguing about who's the greatest? They oh surely they didn't scoff and scold the parents like that. I mean like honestly, really? Until you then start to realise actually it's not that different to us. What's our equivalent of arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Like, what's our thing? Why are they arguing about it? Well, it's probably an identity thing. They're wanting to be the one or wanting to be known and loved and affirmed, and so they're fighting and they're striving for it. Fighting for identity leads to insecurity that leads to, like, a, a one-upmanship kind of approach. We have to find our identity and security in Jesus and Jesus alone. But what's what's the thing that you carry that collides with others? You know, some of it I think is quite easy to call out sometimes. we just got to hold a mirror up in our lives and take a moment to reflect on it. If we don't reflect on it, we're not going to see it as easily. But sometimes it's just sitting back and reflecting. You know, how often do people annoy you? I sometimes think, well, what does that say about you rather than them? How often do you think that you know better? Well, what does that say about you rather than them? How how often do you need grace for other people? Because then you start to think, well, how often do people need grace for me? Do you, do you see what I mean? Because we're called to be people that change and are changed by the words and the works of Jesus. And to change, we need to consider what needs changing. Some stuff naturally, absolutely, just happens over time. It's shaped and refreshed and reframed by the Holy Spirit but often if if we don't call it out we start to grow old without growing up so the passage says but they didn't answer you know I've I've often found when I'm when I'm when I'm real I'm I'm just met with kindness and tenderness and the grace and the love and the affirmation of Jesus there need be no guilt or shame equally he doesn't leave me there I admit it, I'm real about it, but he doesn't leave me there. He moves me on and he moves me out of it. I don't keep 
another one would like i just want to share this as well because i don't like to keep harping on about covid if, if anything i find it many of you will as well it's just a bit tiring you know it's a bit draining but and and also i'd say my my personal default would be to be positive and a bit more futuristic but for all of us we would actually do well just to consider probably in a moment like now and the stage that it's at to 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 consider the impact of covid to ensure that it's not something that leaves a scar on us you know recently my mum sent Liv, our youngest daughter some crayons Liv is Liv is four and she sat at the kitchen table and rather than drawing with them she's laying them out on the kitchen table and Steph said to her like what are you, what are you doing with the with the crayons and she said um you know, she's like laying them out with these huge gaps between them. And she's like, I'm socially distancing them. And it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of heartbreaking, if I'm honest. The the moment we're in and the impact it has on us. But for all of us in different ways, this time will have had an impact on us and it will have left an imprint. And it won't all be negative. There'll be, there'll be many positives that we can find and we see and we identify. But I think it's helpful just to call out the negatives because we can turn the love of our own time and the health of that and some of the freedoms into negatives where they become life habits that we withdraw us from communities and that's that's not good or we can develop obsessions and fears and compulsions behind closed doors that in normal times and normal interactions through the natural flow of life and relationships and interactions with discipleship it would have been called out in a way that currently right now it probably isn't or we can row away from the closeness of Jesus be, through our habits and our lifestyles and our rhythms of life and away from, therefore, some of the relationships or, or, or worship and our time in worship. Do you, do you see what I mean? You could probably find your own, but there'll be loads of them. We've, we've got to find them and call them out because we want to be real with Jesus and real with each other so that they're revealed in the arms of of Jesus and in his presence and look looking at his face and I don't just want to talk about COVID though the problem with COVID is that COVID becomes the thing how many times do you hear people say when then you know when when I finish my exams then I'm going to give more time to Jesus when I've sorted this then I will be able to be part of community when this is sorted then I'll go on to that. When God gives me this, then I'll give him that. When I've got more, then I'll give more. When then? When then? You know, I, I just honestly, I don't think it works like that. It should be Jesus first and everything else second because we reprioritize our priorities so that it is Christ, his church and his cause. If it's when then, it's highly likely that it will be never. If it's not COVID, that's your when that's over then then it's just going to be something else because there'll always be something else that's tugging and pulling at your time and your mind and your all of your life interactions and how you spend them but we've got to be real and let it be revealed regardless of the season of life that we're in so it's real revealed and then the third R I want to just briefly look at is revived Jesus revives us he restores us to life the passage that we were reading says, but they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and he said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant 
of everyone else. He redirects them. He shows them a better way of living. He shows them a route out of the behaviour and the character traits that they're showing. You know, if we're real, he will reveal. And then what he does is he provides us a way out. It's a moment for them to choose potential transformation. He's offered them a pathway and a route out. The words and the works of Jesus change us and shape us. And then what does he do? Well, he puts a child among them. And the passage continues, then he puts a child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to him, anyone who welcomes a child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also the Father who sent me. A chapter or so later, a similar theme and vibe. He said to them, let the children come to me, don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and he placed their hands on their heads and he blessed them. You know, there's such a helpful reminder in this about childlike faith. Children have such trust and such innocence. They don't have to know it all. They don't have to understand it all. There's such a simpleness and, and, and such a beauty in their dependence. You know, so often life and its pain can cause us to have things and carry things that inhibit us. And we're called back to childlike simplicity. Jesus doesn't ask us to put aside our experiences that we grow in and that we gain, but he does require a change of attitude. Adult self-sufficiency must recognise its need to bow its knee before Jesus. Our moral defensiveness must humble itself before our holy God. Our sceptical toughness must soften before the living God. You know, we're called to be people that are real. To, to allow him to reveal and for him to be revealed that we might be revived and restored and redirected and find the fullness of life in Jesus and all that he calls us to be and all that he longs for us to be together and individually. I hope that's helpful. Why don't we, let's just take a moment. Let's just spend some time resting and waiting on the Holy Spirit that he might do that right now in these moments. That's what he does. We offer our hearts to be soft and shaped. He's the potter with a clay. So, Lord Jesus, I invite you now through the power of your Holy Spirit come minister to us. You might just want to adopt a posture that allows you to focus on him. Close your eyes, whatever it might be. Lord, we welcome you. You know, I just... Right now, I feel for some of you, it's like you've you've had to fake it. It's like you feel like the real you isn't good enough. The real you doesn't fit. That's, that's not true. I, I think there's a moment of just being real to acknowledge. But also, for some of us, I think we don't always reflect. It's like emotional intelligence. There's that moment of like just letting the spirit now hold the mirror up. Hold it up ourselves, but let him hold it up. Lord, reveal how you want to change me. He's The Holy Spirit is God's change agent, so he wants to change us. we just got to say, Lord, how do you want to do it? There's one prayer he'll always answer is doing it. Lord, come and change us. I just feel some of you will have placed um, your realness everywhere. It's like, oh, I'll tell this person and I'll share it there. And I'm not saying that's bad or wrong, but I just sometimes think we do it in... It, 
in the face and the arms and at the feet of Jesus. Just now, I just encourage you to have the real moment. Lord, this this what was was heartache for me in this time or this moment. I want to be real with you. So it doesn't become bitterness, so it's not twisted or played on by the enemy, but I just want to get it out in the light and the open and let you shine truth and hope onto it. Let him breathe his life into you afresh today. I think... Um, I might be totally wrong. I feel like there's somebody here who's having a problem with your kidney. I don't fully know what that means or looks like for you, but I'd encourage you to step out and faith. Ask someone to pray with you for that. There'll be other physical things as well. Ask someone to stand alongside you. Pray with you. We're slightly bereft of that in this moment, but don't be. Sometimes just go, can I, can, would you pray with me? Someone I think has got a... Uh, maybe particularly on the right side it's like a there's something with your hip that is misaligned maybe, i don't know it's clicking or you're in pain or just challenge walking as a result of your hip might not be the right side but i, I feel like um someone's had a it's like a cap that's been put on you like a limitation as a result of somebody speaking something over you that was quite critical maybe i feel like it was in the workplace but it might not be and um, them speaking that out has caused you to to like doubt yourself because there was a half-truth in it. I feel like I want to say the enemy works in half-truths. So often there's a seed of a, there's a seed of something that then gets a hook in your heart, but it's a lie and it's capped you and it's limiting you in all spheres of life. I just believe the Lord would want to break that this morning. You might want to, again, just put that on the table with him, but put it on the table with someone else and say, Will you will you pray for me? There's just get a sense there's a few things around feeling inadequate, you know, feeling unnoticed. Some of those things where yeah, just you see the disciples, the way they interacted, the way they were, the the pain that could cause others. But let's just take the moment like they had with Jesus where we, you know, come into the house, sit down, let's have an open and honest conversation with him and allow him to to reset us, realign us, change some of our attitudes, behaviours and set us off again. That's, I might, might just leave it there. I believe the Spirit of God will be ministering to a number of you now. Well, to all of you, but a number of you will be really... He'll be, he'll be just speaking his truth and I don't want to let humanness stand in the way of that. So just rest on him. We'll leave some gentle music playing as we do that. But we... Hope you have a good week, you know, we, as we lead up to Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Our eyes, always we would hope, would be on Jesus, but afresh, just on the on him, longing for more of him, humbling ourselves before him. Have a good week. <laughs>